All right, so announcements, announcements are that there aren't any. Um, if you have plans, if you have like somewhere like your weekly plan in a note app or something, I would just delete that right now. Um, if, if you have a regular prayer list, I would add doctors, nurses, first responders uh, to that list. It's interesting, our passage this morning, as we go through the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verse 21. I almost feel like there's no introduction needed for why this is an interesting passage. It says in verse 21, when Jesus had crossed over by boat, to the other side of the lake. If you remember last week, Jesus had gone to the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee. He had ministered there. Now he's coming back. And it says a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. So everybody hears that Jesus has come back into town. They're excited. They're gathering around. And it says then, verse 22, one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus fell at his feet He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come, put your hands on her so that she will be healed and lived. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. A woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. And had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And once again, Jesus realized or sorry, at at once Jesus realized that power had gone from him and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciple answered, and yet you asked who touched me? Like, come on, everybody's touching everybody here. You ever been on a subway in a major city when there's not a pandemic, I mean? Like New York, Chicago, London, uh, Moscow. I've been on some of the, the major subways of the world you're going to get touched by somebody, you know, somebody is going to bump into you and hopefully it's not a pickpocket, you know, but uh, they said, Hey, everybody's touching everybody right now. Verse 32, Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman knowing what had happened to her came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. And he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in and said to them, Why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. And when he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went into the, where the child was. And he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up 
and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And at this, they were completely astonished, and she gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is God's word. You know, everyone has some form of crisis. I think there are two forms of crisis that you see in the passage this morning. There's long-term crisis. And some of you have been through that. Bob, how many years were you uh, fighting cancer? Well, I, 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 the seven, it's been seven years total. That's a long-term crisis. And that's been Dorinda's long-term crisis as well. It's not just Bob's. Bob knows that, so I'm not, you know. So there are long-term crises, but you get a diagnosis. You get a, uh, you know, you, you, get the, you get the layoff notice. You get the bill that was unexpected. And you have to deal with it long-term, but the human brain has an ability to start making plans, right? We can deal with things. And Jake, I don't mind if those guys are walking around, by the way. We're family friendly here, right? But the human mind has an ability to deal with these things. And this woman had gone to every doctor and every faith healer and whatever. She had been suffering for 12 years. That's a long-term crisis. And then there's a short-term crisis. Something comes out of the blue. Two weeks ago, we didn't think we'd be here. Two months ago, most people thought a corona was, you know, type of beer, right? Like, or what's going on? There are unexpected crises that come. All of a sudden, you find yourself in a situation you weren't expecting. Every person deals with these types of crises. Every person does. Hi, boys. <laughs> they love me. That's all it is, Heather. They just want to see me. So here's the truth. Le- uh, Levi has always thought I was cool. And there aren't a lot of people that think I'm cool. So I was stoked about that. But Lincoln has, you know, always kind of been like, who's that dude? And the other day I saw him and he pointed at me and went. And I thought, man, that made my day. I, I'm good to go. <laughs> but every person has some form of crisis. The woman has a long-term crisis. The synagogue leader is dealing with a sudden crisis. Every person has that. And every crisis has some form of fallout. There's There's a fallout from every crisis. This woman, it says she suffered greatly. We... We've only had modern medicine for a very short time in human history. And even in our parents' or grandparents' generation, there was still a certain amount of, well, I mean, even in our day, there's a certain amount of quackery that's still going on. I remember one of my favorite movies ever is The King's Speech. And they're trying all of these different methods, like putting marbles in his mouth and, uh, you know, all these different things to get him to stop stuttering. And it's all nonsense, right? And you can only imagine what a woman who was so desperate to to have this physical ailment healed that she had gone to every kind of quack and maybe she had been uh, starved or maybe she had been uh, burned with something or, or, or she had drinking something that had made her sick. 
because they said, oh, if you go to this nasty swamp water, that'll heal you. And it turns out, you know, there's just bacteria and bugs that like, you know, give her food poisoning. She'd suffered for 12 years. And she probably had all kinds of secondary issues that came along with that. And then there's the synagogue leader and he has a sudden crisis. Fear, uncertainty. They're the fallout. I, you know, this last week, um, somebody shared a meme. It's Captain Picard. I love Captain Picard memes. It's Captain Picard sitting in his chair and it just said every morning in 2020 is like damage report, you know. You're trying to figure it out. And then I, I heard somebody on the news who works with uh, the foster system. And they said, this is a small glimpse of what it's like to be a foster kid. Because every day you don't know what is going to be. What's the situation now? There's no certainty. It made me so grateful for Bob and Phyllis King. 53 kids that they fostered over the years. And she knows every one of them. Jake and Heather fostered for a long time. Stephen Carey. I'm just saying, I'm thankful for the people in, you know, we know that have been part of, of helping with that. But there is fallout from whatever crisis you've been through and whatever crisis we're going through. And the woman had tried everything possible. And we can't even understand this. It's allergy season right now. And uh, I, I woke up yesterday like, oh man, am I getting sick? And then I did my allergy spray medicine, right? Oh, I'm feeling good now, you know? But it's allergy season and all of a sudden you're just whatever. And then let's say that you, you, go to, you go out somewhere and then, you know, and everybody looks at you like unclean, unclean. <laughs> Don't tell me that hasn't happened to you. This woman ceremonially would have been unclean. Now, if you don't know what an issue of blood is, you can ask your mom. I promise that conversation won't be awkward. But in the Old Testament law, we talked about this last week as well, there were all kinds of rules about what food you ate, what, how you washed your hands. God was basically establishing a public health system for an, uned, you know, an unaware, uh, uneducated culture. Wash your hands regularly. That's a good idea. Um, don't eat pig, you know, don't eat, well, pigs in this case, but don't eat animals that are known to, you know, basically kill humans if you don't know how to cook them, right? There hasn't been a case of trigonosis in over 85 years in America from commercial pork because we know how to deal with it now. But they didn't. So God was establishing a system where, hey, if, if you are bleeding, if you have ooze or pus, uh, if you, you know, you need to quarantine yourself and you need to make sure you're washing your hands and don't eat food that's like likely to, you know, likely to cause COVID-19 bats. Thank you, bats. I don't like bats. This has just proved everything I've ever thought about them. Go to the zoo and all the kids are like, oh, cool. And I'm like, ugh, gross. Anyway. I don't like rats and I don't like birds. So how do you think I feel about bats? 
<laughs> so this woman would have been barred from public life in a real substantial way for 12 years. That has a ramification. One of the things that we're going to be really battling the next few weeks and maybe months is isolation. It killed me this morning to tell one of our people to go home. Not because they were coughing or hacking, but because they were an at-risk person. They're over a certain age, underlying health issues. I had left them a message. I'd, I've called every one of our, of our seniors this week. Some of them I've talked to multiple times. Some of them have called me multiple times. Are you sure I can't come? Yes, you can't come. You need, you need to go home because we want to keep you safe. Every one of us has somebody that we can look in on. And I went over to my neighbor's house next door. We have new neighbors next door. They're older. I said, hey, here's my card. If you need something, give me a call. Talk to, I talked to one of our uh, seniors uh, yesterday. I said, okay, so how, how, how are you situated? Well, we're good for a couple weeks. Okay, when, I'm going to be talking to you. I'm going to be talking to you at least once a week. But as, uh, when that time comes up, you're not going to the grocery store. Right? I'm going to go to the grocery store for you or somebody will. Right? We're, going to, we're going to take care of each other. Every one of us has neighbors that are at risk. Every one of us has relatives that we can look after. Every one of us has people in this church that we're connected to. You know, I, I was talking to, to uh, Judy Smith. You know, she was thinking about what we can do for Yvonne because she's in that, that rehab center. All of us can look around to say, how can we help people not feel isolated or disconnected? This woman for 12 years was ceremonially unclean. How lonely it must have gotten sometimes. You know, for all the people that knock cell phones, and I agree, there's, we haven't quite figured out how to not be like socially isolated with that technology. Um, at the same time, that might become a lifeline to somebody. And you on the other end of that phone or FaceTime or Skype or whatever could become somebody's source of connection. So I don't feel so alone. Imagine if somebody's only source of connection is, is the, the frightening stuff they're hearing on the news. Instead of somebody calling and saying, hey, I care about you. You're not forgotten. You're not alone. And that's one of the things that I'm really committed to doing uh, as, as the pastor here is making sure that especially our folks, our seniors aren't, aren't feeling disconnected. And this guy would have tried anything, this synagogue leader. Who would have been the least likely person before that moment to go ask Jesus for help? It would have been one of the Pharisees. It would have been one of Jesus' opponents. This guy might have been one of the people who had been publicly attacking Jesus or publicly challenging Jesus. And now his daughter's dying and he's desperate and he knows that Jesus is working with the power of God. And so he'll try it. He'll come and he'll see. Every, every crisis has a fallout and every fallout forces some kind of response. I think this is a moment for us as Christians. Like I said, don't be panic. You know, don't panic. Be smart. Be connected, but also be brave and be bold. There are going to be people who two weeks ago would have never considered 
their eternal situation. There are going to be people in your life who before this last week would have said, I am safe and I am secure. And now that illusion or fantasy has been pulled away. They were never safe or secure. We just tricked ourselves into thinking that. We have the opportunity to be the love of God in this community right now. There's going to be somebody who you thought, nope, they'll never, they'll never listen to what I have to say. And yet a crisis creates fallout, which forces some kind of response. And I guarantee you, before this guy's daughter got sick, he would not have been coming to Jesus asking for help. Every, every person chooses their, their response, you know. God's not going to make you choose the right response. We can choose to live in fear or we can choose to live in faith. You can live in faith and still be smart, by the way. Just because there are people on Facebook who are posting things that are like, you know, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to go lick doorknobs and, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go hug grizzly bears and... Don't do that. Neither of those things are good ideas. Hugging grizzly bear, bad idea almost always. Licking doorknobs, also always a bad idea. Don't be Buddy the Elf, right? Sees the little gum, the subway station. So gross. Buddy the Elf probably has coronavirus right now. We can be smart and still have great faith. We can be smart and still look for opportunities to show people what God has for them. It's one thing to have reasonable caution. It's another thing to give into hysteria. It's one thing to be smart and be prepared. It's another thing to be selfish and start hoarding. You know, for the irreligious, the person who's just doing whatever they want, the person who just says, you know what, I'm going to live how I want to live and I don't care how God wants me to live. We need the power of God because we won't, we won't, we won't change our ways on our own. And if you think, oh, I can, I'll get things settled out now, Well, you weren't strong enough to get things with God figured out before this crisis. You won't be strong enough on your own during this crisis. The only thing that we can trust in is the power of God. For the religious person, the person who's like, you know what? I'm doing all the right things. I don't lick doorknobs. I'm ready to go. I've done everything right. We need the grace of God. We need the grace of God. It's real easy to think I'm all set up and I'm all good and then to forget how much God has forgiven us and how much God has done for us and how, Lord, can I show grace to people who haven't done all the right things or prepared all the right ways or whatever. Every person chooses their own response. I dropped my notes. I'm going to grab them here. That looked awkward. All right. So here's a few questions. Uh, What will Pastor Adam be doing? What will the church be doing? And what can I do?
So I'll say this. This whole thing's a very fluid situation. Have you heard somebody say that recently? I also, I, I loved what, uh, a couple things I saw on Facebook this week. I saw one person say, from now on, all of my parenting talks with my children will start with the phrase, out of an abundance of caution, I'm not going to let you do that thing. I also liked what one person posted where they said, wherever 250 or less are gathered in his name, there will God be. I thought that was funny. What will I be doing? What will the church be doing? And what can you be doing? I'd say this, equip, serve, pray, and love. So what am I going to be doing? Uh, Because we're canceling a lot of stuff. I'm going to be looking for ways to equip people because I believe that that's my job. You can check Ephesians chapter 4, that the job of, of the pastors is to equip the church for the work of their ministry. So I'm going to be looking for ways to equip people. I think I'm hopefully equipping you now through the teaching of the word. You might see the faithonhill.com blog get a little more active. I'm going to look for ways to serve. Like I said, I I fully believe part of my job very quickly could become delivering groceries to seniors. That's cool. Or anyone who needs it. You know, 40-year-olds who are sick can't get out. All right. That could easily become part of what I do on the regular. Pray. Can I give you some suggestions? There's an app. I'm going to say it. You're going to forget it. That's fine. You can ask me later. It's called Lectio 365. Lectio 365. It's a Latin word. Lectio means like liturgy. I've been using it and it's a kind of a guided prayer. I, I, I turned that app on this morning. I had my headphones on as I was opening up the church. I found it was very helpful to kind of focus my prayers this morning. Pray for real specific things. Pray for the the health of our doctors, our first responders. Pray for wisdom for our leaders. Uh, Pray for um, our at-risk neighbors, friends, church family members. Pray for wisdom. Lord, how can I be proactive and be part of this? Equip, serve, pray, and love. Lord, how can I show your love? It's fully possible that in the next week, you're going to hear about an opportunity and the Lord's going to say, that's it. And maybe, maybe you let me know and, and I'll hear from the Lord. Yep, that's it. That's how Faith on Hill is going to really connect with this. How can I, how can I love? Because we can shut ourselves off or we can say, what is the thing that God's enabled us to do? So what am I going to be doing? I'm going to be finding continued ways to equip the church, continued ways to serve, continued ways to pray, and continued ways to love. I think that's the same is true for us. One of the, the reasons you're going to hear me talk about giving a little more in the near future is because there are going to be needs. And even if you're not here physically, we do have faithonhill.com backslash give. How can we find tangible ways of loving and serving people? And what can you do? Like I said, connect with your neighbors, uh, have some really honest conversations. I had to have some really honest conversations with some at-risk people this last week, including some family members. It's funny to me how some of the people that are freaking out the most at the moment are some of the people who are like least likely to be affected by this. And some of the people that are the most like, eh, about it are the people that I'm like, no, that's you. Right? You're the one who needs to be concerned right now. So look for ways to equip, to serve, to pray and to love. Let me say this as we're closing. I hope 
that, you know what, if I'm going to have to be around the house more, that maybe I can learn something. Maybe I can grow in some way. Maybe there's some book that you've been meaning to read and now it's the time to read that book. Maybe there's something you get on YouTube and you learn how to do something and now you're, you're able to be a better friend, neighbor, spouse, whatever. There, there is an opportunity here if we seize it. I fully understand that it's very likely that I will end up rewatching The Office in the next couple weeks. But if that's all that I do with my free time, what a waste. Amen? I mean, I'm going to rewatch The Office just to understand that. And probably Parks and Rec too, because that's how these things go. But if that's all that I do, that's a waste. If I can find some way to equip myself, equip my children, equip my wife, and grow in this time, then I can find something positive. Amen?